1: Hey guys, welcome to Back to Earth, a podcast about roots. I'm Charlie May. This is episode 41, season 2. It is springtime. I'm currently oh, <laughs> I'm currently out walking around just seeing the sheep. It's a time of year where they're still really uh, fluffy, they're waiting to be shorn, um, and especially if you've had periods of rain or drizzle, and then the sun's beating down, their fleece gets really, really itchy, and they need to scratch, so they can roll on their back to have a good scratch, but they actually get stuck on their back if they're on too flat a piece of earth. So it's good to go around and just check on them every day, um, and make sure they're all doing well. Uh so it's been a while since we last spoke. We did lots of Christmas episodes. Now it's spring. The farm generally tends to wind down over winter and things are quite quiet. It's just lots of things that need mending, especially after Storm Eunice. Lots of things needed mending. It's now spring and everything's just looking so alive. The weeds have gone berserk. I feel like I'm doing a lot of maintenance with mowing and trying to keep everything down, especially in the vineyard. Lots of things have changed on the farm over the last few months. The biggest change being that Nigel, our farm manager, who's been working on the farm for 41 years, the guy who knows all, the guy who's learned everything from my dad and just is like everything to this farm, handed in his notice to leave he gave us three months notice um, and he's worked those out and now he's left and it's been so strange and it's been you know I thought that I had loads of time I was sort of like shadowing him in year one barely scraping the surface of all his infinite knowledge of the farm and now here I am jumping two feet first into managing the farm myself with mum so yeah I feel like I've really been thrown in at the deep end but it's been a really amazing process it's given mum and I time to really have a look at the the financials of the farm what's working what's not working things that actually you don't do I think I think even from having you know my own fashion business I never actually stopped to think right I've spent this this quarter and I've made this and what can I cut back on and how is this going to work financially you're just sort of on a treadmill doing whatever needs to be done to keep your business afloat and always focusing on the next six months ahead like with the farm you're always Whatever it needs, whatever fertilizer you need to throw at the crop, you just keep paying for it, keep spending without actually thinking, oh, is this right? You don't really have time to think about whether it's right. It's, yeah, been really, really... um weird time, um, but also an exciting time. I think, you know, in the beginning, I was quite scared of like, you know, how are we going to do this? You know, I've barely even learned anything. A year is not that long. It's been a really steep learning curve from Christmas until now. He's been teaching me how to like stream, how to use the chainsaw. I've just needed like a crash course lesson in everything before he's gone. Um, I think after 41 years working seven days a week, 100 hour weeks, um, he really put his heart and soul into this job and just gave it absolutely everything. I think he just really was wanted a bit of a slower pace and to work a job that is definitely sort of more of a nine to five. He has the weekends to enjoy with Kate and yeah, like, of course, like, I can totally understand that, especially when it comes up to harvest and you're working until, you know, eleven, twelve o'clock at night just to get everything done. And I think he really thrived under that pressure. But at the same time, I think, you know, we all need to learn when to take a step back and to think, OK, no, I'm, I actually quite want a slower pace of life, especially after the last couple of years and everything that we've given That being said, he lives nearby. He's still around. He's still finding excuses to come in and do odd jobs on the weekend for us. So yeah, we're still... And he'll still be doing hedge trimming and all kinds of things. So he has never gone completely. We wouldn't want that and he wouldn't want that either. So to sum up, when I moved down a year ago, I thought I would have years to sort of learn how to become a farmer and how to manage the farm. And in, you know, one swoop, I suddenly am the farmer. And so everything I said in season one, joking about, you know, I'm a farmer and this... And now I am actually a farmer guys, it's really happened. Like I'm actually a farmer. Be careful what you wish for. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Just climbing over a gate. Oh, <laughs> Graceful as ever. I am going off now to see mum at the grain store at the other ends. We call the farm a mile away the other ends because we've got one last load of grain to go out. Uh, We've got 30 tonnes waiting that's going out at the weekend. We need to open up the curtains, go inside and just check for any uninvited guests or anything that we need to sort of put right before it's collected. I'm going over in the gator. Mum's already there. Just got to chuck her meow justy out. Hi, buds! Meowjusty is our farm cat, Puds III. Um She lives in the gator, which is nice and cosy. Puds is not very impressed that Nigel has left... Puds was almost like his cat. Every day he would sit and have lunch with her, feed her bits out of his sandwich, and she just absolutely adored him. And I think she's taken it a little bit hard that he has gone. Um, I heard that he came in the other day and she wouldn't go anywhere near him. She was like, Humph! she had a total strop on. And she was like, oh, you. She's very fickle, that one. But she didn't care for me much before. And now suddenly I'm the one giving her treats at 5 p.m. before I go home and she's uh, she's all over me now. We are. Oh, ow. So, what do you think, Mum? Back to Earth season two? Yes, exciting. <laughs> Mum's already just found some potatoes on the floor. We're over the far end sheds and they're currently planting potatoes in the ground. Oh my gosh, she's chasing potatoes. We haven't even begun season two and she's off on her own. Jolly. <laughs> There's giant pallets of potatoes in the yard. Lady Anna Potatoes, going to be sold to all the chip shops around North Devon. So if you're here over the summer or next year for holiday, you can eat Lady Anna Potatoes fried. So we're here at the Far Ends. Um, We are investigating a rat infestation. (laughs) Nigel's only been gone a week and already the rats have heard. They're very clever, aren't they? They know he's been gone. Usually be on it every day.
2: Well, to be fair, we haven't been on it for a month. There's (laughs) there's only a little tiny pile of corn left and we thought, well, you know, it would be gone by now and we haven't found a home for it and it's there and we haven't been keeping an eye. Um, We've been dealing with so many other things. We haven't been over here, so we need to sort it out.
1: Nigel's obviously left on the farm now, so it's just you and me, girl power. Exactly. Hopefully through
2: osmosis,
1: I've sucked up enough information through him and you, of course, over the last year that I'll be able to sort of fill his shoes even just a little bit. I've got the boiler suit. Yes, well, yes, you're,
2: you're dressed for the occasion now.
1: I kept it green because I do love the colour green. I'm wearing a bottle green cotton boiler suit over my clothes because as you guys know, I love wearing nice things, cashmere jumpers and stuff, and they were just getting absolutely ruined. Mum's literally wincing right now. They were getting absolutely ruined on the farm last year. So I thought a boiler suit is a happy medium. I can continue to wear nice things, but I am protected.
2: If your friends in London could see you now. They'd
1: be mortified <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh darling what are you wearing (laughs) no we've got lots of things to do the list is endless of all our jobs. They're planting potatoes.
1: We've got maize going in soon. The barley and the wheat is ripening in the ground. Yeah, and all the little lambs have just joined us on the farm.
2: The agronomist's coming round to see us on Wednesday or Thursday to have a look with crop walk and see what's going on with the wheat and barley.
1: With us, usually he would do it with Nigel, but he's coming to do it with us, um, and we can roam around the fields looking at how the crops are doing and deciding what sprays need to be put on it. You know, obviously what's going on with Ukraine and everything, and in general, the pandemic, the prices of everything has shot up to such a massive, mm. unbelievable amount that we've, we're we having to do some serious thought this year on how we're going to survive because the fertilisers that we would usually buy from our agronomist are triple what we bought yes. them for last year. Yeah. We've been looking into alternatives for fertiliser. I mean, at the moment, the maize that we've got growing, there's a dairy farmer that takes on our maize ground, spreading... Is it called muck or slurry? Slurry. So they've sprayed it all with slurry and then it gets ploughed into the ground. Um, So Nigel's finished the ploughing on that. Mm. Um, But because fertilizer prices are so high this year, they've been talking about doing a second spread whilst it's still growing in the ground, Mm. haven't they? So they're going to be covering it in slurry while it's growing, which is going to be quite a sight. It's once you've hosed down the sheds and it's everything that's left over. So it's mostly water, but it's a lot of Yes, it's
2: 75% water. It's when the cows are in the yard, when they're waiting to go in to be milked, they're mucking up the yard and then it's all washed down, rainwater and whatever, and it makes a gravy. And that goes into a big slurry lagoon. Lovely. which is <laughs> which is trapped so it can't yes. go and infestate any rivers or anything and then they put it in huge tankers and then they inject it into the ground rather than squirt it so it doesn't you see a, a muck spreader is the actual straw with the muck in it which gets flicked out up in the air and that's big piles of dung that's a different thing altogether
1: which we've also been having that haven't we, that we on our grass fields. fields we have
2: that on the grass fields that's very good because it takes a long time to wash away and so it's grass gradually putting all the goodness back in the soil.
1: Isn't it also, to play devil's advocate, isn't it bad? Because if you spread it on too thickly, it kills the worms because it's so intense.
2: You can't afford to have it too thick. This is why slurry is quite good if it's got lots of rainwater with it and the washings from the hose when they've cleaned down the yard, because it's very much diluted.
1: So Nigel got accosted by a local when he was um, about to plough in the slurry saying, we can't open our windows. It stinks. You know, this is horrible. You should be plowing it in and he said I'm trying I'm trying to plow it in you know quickly yeah. Um, I don't know why these people live in the countryside, but it does worry me that, you know, obviously we would usually plough it in and therefore the um, smell would go. But if they're literally going to be spraying maize as it's growing, not only is it going to look a sight,
2: but it's also going to smell pretty wow.
1: terrible. We've
2: got to wait and see what that works out at. I've never seen that happen before, so I don't know it's a new one on me. But
1: yeah, I mean, farmers have got to, we have to innovate this year it's because the prices
2: are system that we went away from and now we've come back to because the old-fashioned ways are proving to be the best. Best. Yes. why use chemicals when you can use something that's produced naturally
1: we are stood next to about 20 bags of fertilizer i mean they're bigger than me they're absolutely massive they're 600 600, 600 kilograms oh this one's been torn open why is that accidentally probably they look like the little things in the bottom of a fish tank
2: yeah they do
1: are they covered in plastic or are they covered in uh, something no, that
2: it's a sort of salt type of thing oh, i think which okay. melts when it touches when it gets say, rained it on so that gets flicked on the ground and you only put on i think it's a hundred weight an acre it's a tiny amount I mean, there's enough here to do 300 acres. Oh,
1: wow. It doesn't seem that much for 300 acres, to be honest, so you don't put it on that thickly. The 100 weight is 50 kilos. So I was going to ask you what you yeah. meant by 100 weight. Is that yeah, an old Devonshire...
2: That's an old, that's an old imperial measure. You had 100 weights and tonnes, T-O-N. Now we have T O W N E S, tonnes, which is a metric weight, but the old-fashioned tonne was 20 hundredweight, back in the days when it was pounds, shillings and pence. <laughs> So what do we have
1: here? We have urea. Um, we've already put in nitrogen and phosphate and yeah, everything um, else. It's got a tick is, there, so I think it's urea. Granular yes, urea. It's
2: granular urea with sulphur added. Ah,
1: OK. Yes.
2: We have to put sulphur on the grounds now that factories aren't producing because they used to spew sulphur out of the air, yellow sulphur, and it would come down on really? the grounds. Really? Like acid rain? Now, yeah. Now we have to put it on because the factories aren't producing it.
1: Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's pretty horrifying, isn't it? I mean, I'm pleased we're not breathing it in anymore, but yeah, interesting. You've got to buy it and put it on. Right. So let's get these curtains open. We are by the grain store, which have been fitted with these giant net (laughs) curtains. Oh, I see what you mean. It's such a tiny amount of grain. Oh my
2: goodness. See their marks where they've been partying on top of it.
1: Oh, yes. You can see their little feet marks. And then what's that line? That's their tail. (laughs) That's where their tail drags afterwards. Yeah. They've been walking all over it having a party. Are birds more worrying than rats in terms of droppings or are they just as bad as each other?
2: They're all as bad as each other. And part of the the red tractor assurance scheme means that we have kept it as near to perfect as we can from when it came off the fields. These curtains have been put up to keep the pigeons and the pheasants and the sparrows out, and the squirrels. But of course, you can't stop a rat will go through a hole the size of a two pence piece. Mm. They squeeze through the smallest of holes. So you have to do the rounds every day to check. And that's all part of the... The red tractor thing we have an annual inspection every year and it's not just the rats it's also you have to measure the heat you have to have thermometers mm. you have to have bug traps because they could be weevils that get into it
1: even um, though because we've dried it down quite a lot compared to a lot of farmers mm. right how yeah. what percent do we dry it down we to? dry
2: it down to 14 to 14 and a half percent
1: Whereas some people are 16 or is that the temperature if it comes off
2: no it, yes. if it can come off at 26 depends on the weather mm. but if you obviously store it above 15 that's the optimum price the the big grain merchants won't buy it if it's over 15 percent because that's when it can start to go moldy right and also it smells when it's got mouldy, and that's when you start getting bugs.
1: We had a friend of ours, say a fellow farmer, say that um, he's got a barn owl that keeps all his rats in check. Yes. and he told the red tractor inspector, "And you can't have birds in your barn. You've got." It. And he said, "Well, I'm not going to remove the barn owl. You know, it seems so much better to have, you know, instead of putting down rat bait, having your own resident barn owl that goes yeah. in and sorts out the rodents for you. That's incredible. Yeah.
2: It takes all day for an inspection."
1: And they come Every here year. and they, yeah, they come Every here and year. they look at everything.
2: And if you fail, I mean, I failed one year because we'd bought a new grain trailer and I didn't have my membership number stenciled on the side of the trailer.
1: Wow. Oh, no. They're so they said so you precise. failed.
2: Oh, mm-hmm. wow. We had 28 days in which to stencil it on, photograph it and send it before they would issue me with my certificate of conformity.
1: And if you don't have a certificate, you can't sell the
2: grain? Nope. Every load of grain that goes out needs an accompanying passport and that passport has to have the red tractor sticker on it, which has got my membership number on it and it shows exactly where it's come from. So when you buy your loaf of bread, you can trace it right back to the farm that the grain came from.
1: Well, even if, I mean, some of our feed goes towards animal feed. Even if you buy some beef, they'll be able to trace the feed that the animal was fed on back to us. I mean, it's quite transparent.
2: Because it's not just for grain. It's also for all livestock, beef, lamb, chickens, whatever. They all have to have the red tractor sticker on before they're allowed to sell it.
1: A lot of people don't notice that little red tractor sticker on there. When (laughs) you're
2: in the supermarket, you look for that. It's a combination of a red tractor and a Union Jack. And if you've got that on the front of your piece of meat that you've bought in the supermarket, you know that it's British and that it's passed all the high stringent standards that nobody abroad seems to bother about.
1: <laughs> Mum's hot take there,
2: oh, right? <laughs> right. What are we doing with this we're, rat infestation we're cleaning then? Cleaning up this mess in the corner to see if they will know if they're returning. If there's more dropping, did we get rid of this lot?
1: So I'm back on the other ends now. I'm just going to see the chickens. It's been such a learning curve, all the arable side of the farm and things that I don't know about. As you can see with the talk with mum, I'm just constantly trying to learn about like fertilizer and costs and how farming is moving so rapidly um, and farmers are having to adapt so rapidly to the rising costs in fertilizer, how we're going to cope with the new season ahead. Hi, girls. We've got just a couple of tonnes left of grain in the sheds, which was what we were dealing with the rats um, for. But soon that will all be gone. All the crops are currently growing in the fields. The barley and wheat is looking really good. We've spread the last bit of fertiliser now that needs to be spread. Um, yeah, and we're just waiting for the harvest to come. There's a few more sprays to do, but otherwise that's it for the arable side. It's a very exciting day because I'm about to set the chickens free. Uh, for those of you that don't know, it has been basically locked down for the chickens, just like we've had for the last couple of years. They have been locked down for the last six months. There's been avian bird flu in the UK, and it's been the worst case there's been for many years. Avian bird flu is brought in from... Uh, migratory birds that come in in the autumn and they bring this flu disease with them and it spreads like wildfire through the population of birds and it's been especially bad for chickens so the government and DEFRA brought in a housing order where all birds needed to be housed or they were allowed to have an outside space as long as it was netted off from uh, migratory birds being able to get inside so all feeders and water had to be brought in and weren't allowed to sit outside so I did have my birds housed, but I just felt so cruel, like just leaving them in the house all the time. They've already spent half their lives being caged and miserable. So we built an outside space for them, um, which was netted off. But still, I've missed having them roaming free. I miss being in the kitchen and looking out and seeing them in the garden, cheekily scratching up one of mum's flower beds. <laughs> um, so today is the day. They have lifted the avian housing order and we're going to set them free. I will say that we have been busy building a fence in the vegetable garden because I've got lots of seedlings coming along and I don't want the girls coming down and suddenly feasting on all my hard work. Um, So the garden is prepped and ready to receive them. Be right back, girls. just going to walk around to the front. You can hear them pattering behind me. Yes, I know it's so exciting. Okay, girls, it's freedom day. You're excited, but you don't even know what you're excited for. Freedom! Come on to the garden. Ooh, no! <laughs> oh, they're so excited. Some of them are a little bit scared. How many have I got here? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven chucks. It's like the start of summer. School holidays. Freedom. <laughs> we're back baby back to earth two farming harder or farming betterer Flockdown is over and i'm ready to step into the farmer boots that have been passed down over many generations In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at backtoearthpodcast, on Twitter at backtoearthpod, and on TikTok at backtoearthcharlie. Music is by John Day, artwork is by Eric Chow, and this episode was edited by David Knight. Thank you, guys, and thank you for listening. If you want to support Back to Earth, you can rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And check us out on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash definitelyhuman. Back to Earth is a Definitely Human production. Okay, bye!